Good morning. My name is Ed Williams. First of all, if you could bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift that you've given us. Lord, we ask that you'd bless us today as we go about your work of searching out and, and finding our lost souls. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm one of those prodigal sons. As a teenager, I made some very, very poor choices, and I drifted away from the church. I got into immoral activities. I got into immoral activities, and I was gone for 42 years. I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm going to tell you a little story that um, of my return and, and what caused it all. In 1992, my youngest sister went to the doctor, went to the doctor for a normal physical. The doctor saw something in the blood work that he didn't like. He had no idea what he was looking at. But being a busy doctor and also a very conscientious man, he did not want to do the research himself because he figured that it would take too much time. So he faxed to every specialty he could find in the United States, saying, what am I looking at? I need your help. A doctor in Boston gave him a call and said, get her up here now. It's mesothelioma. Once it's diagnosed over 95% of the time, it's already fatal. They got her up there. They took out a lung. They actually lost her on the table twice. Thank God she made it through. She was on chemotherapy and, and uh, radiation for several years, but she made it. While Charlotte was uh, recovering, uh, I mean, after Charlotte recovered, her husband went through his midlife crisis. And they were apart for almost five years. Well, my wife and I had both been through divorces. We knew what it was like to be alone. We knew the sense of failure. We knew all of the things that Charlotte was going to go through. So we figured that we would take her under our wing and help her through it. Little did we know that that was God putting us under her wing to help us through it. We went to dinner with her every Thursday night. We vacationed with her. Um, we went to church occasionally with her. We just became very, very close, especially my wife and, and Charlotte. In 2000, right around 2000, Pete came back. He asked for forgiveness. Now, I wasn't back in the church at that time, and I told my wife, well, first of all, Charlotte accepted him back. And I told my wife, if he hurts her again, I'll kill him. And at that time, I meant it. But they made it work. In 2003, Charlotte started having lower back pains. She'd had a bad disc for years. But it persisted. Finally, Pete says, we're going to the doctor and find out what's going on. So they went on Monday. The doctor said the results would be back by Wednesday. Wednesday came and went. Thursday came and went. Friday, the pain was so severe that they had to put her in the hospital to control the pain. On Sabbath, it came back, it was terminal. 
A week and a half later, she died. We were floored. Charlotte was a good Adventist Christian. How could God take her at such a young age? She was only 59. During the period of time that we visited her and so forth, my wife kept on saying, you know, I'd like to be more like Charlotte. I'd like to be more like Charlotte. Her husband was gone. Her job of 35 years was eliminated because the company was bought out. One of her sons had drifted away from the church. It had every reason why she would be discouraged, but she wasn't. Well, when she died, it dawned on me that if that had been me, I would have been totally lost. Carol said, you know, I'd like to be more like Charlotte. We need to go to church. Well, I told her if we did, there was only one we were going to. She said, why? I said, because it's the only one that teaches just the Bible and not a bunch of tradition. I knew at that point that I was going to have some problems. I'd given up smoking in 87, but I had still had a drinking problem. Carol went into Bible studies. At the end of her Bible studies on a Friday afternoon, Pastor Zolman, when he left, he asked her, and then I asked her, well, are you with me on this? She said, yes. I took 25 of a 30-pack out into the campground. Now, I should have dumped it out. However, I could have been tempted to go back and get it again. I gave away the 30-pack, and I haven't even wanted one since. And I knew that wasn't me. God had helped me through that. And because of that, I knew that I had something to do other than just coming back to the church. So I started studying and reading. I went through 30 of Ellen White's works, probably 200 other um, uh, books on theology, Adventist theology and so forth. Then it dawned on me, who better to go after those who've been away but somebody that's been there. So I, I started looking around the church to find who was doing it. And I couldn't find anybody. The uh, North American Division had one person who had another ministry that was doing it part-time. I met with him for about an hour for lunch one day. And that was it. Never heard again. So we started our little organization we call FARM, Former Adventist Recovery Ministry. What we try to do is encourage the churches to do what we can't. By the way, that's my beautiful sister. I was gone for 42 years, and during that period, only one time did somebody come to find out why. And when I came back, my name was still on the books. We got to change that. Our church spends millions per year on evangelism, but almost nothing on recovery ministries. Do you realize that it is actually 
cost-benefit? If you took the million absent members that we have in this country, in North America, and if we only got back 20% of them, 200,000, now you have to, to sort of deduct out the young and the, the old that don't have the, the incomes to pay much in tithe. But if you also assume that those in the middle only make 30000 a year, tithe would be $3,000 a year. That's $600 million. Stop and think about what could be done with that tithe. And believe me, it is a disgrace, but only about 30% of our church members pay tithe now. But those that are returning do pay tithe. By the way, that's one of the things that you want to let them know. In my coming back... I felt very, very, very guilty about those 42 years that I didn't pay tithe. Then I realized that God forgave me. It's from here on. I've repented and, and God has accepted me back. So let them know that, you know, God can forgive you to this point as long as it's true repentance. My studies since I came back, by the way, the church that I left is not the church I came back to. The church that I actually uh, was a member of for most of my life, uh, absently, started coming back to that church and I saw more uh, lipstick and jewelry and tattoos. You'd think I was watching TBN. We don't have Vespers anymore. We have very few Friday night meetings to bring in the Sabbath. It's all a sign of the end. And it's happening fast. Have you looked around you? We have uh, tsunamis, famines, disease. Now, we've always had this stuff. But we've never had a confluence of events like we're having right now. Do we have our false Christ? Got David Koresh, Applewhite, Jones, DeJesus, uh, Miranda. That's just a, just a few of them. Wars and rumors of wars. Right now we have 60 countries that are actively either at war with somebody else or have civil wars going on with about almost 400 militia groups or rebel groups causing the, the torment. earthquakes. Now this is a, a bit shaking. If you look at this chart, you see the different years and so forth and how in the last 20 years and that last one, there was two years left in that decade. I've asked the, the writer of this, uh, it was a friend of mine who was also away from the church. I don't know if you know Ron Goss of uh, Project Restore. When he's going to update this, he said, I wish I had the time. Tornadoes, over the last few years, they've been more destructive, and they've also hit population centers a lot more than they ever did in the past. The destruction and the, the cost is just skyrocketing. Volcanoes, you know, we've got uh, the, the people saying we have global warming. 
and then they had to change it because we had no global warming for 17 years, so now it's climate change. They have to, to blame it on human beings because otherwise they'd have to believe the Bible. We are having climate change. As the good Lord takes his hand away, his protective hand away from this planet we're on. Volcanoes spew more contaminants in the atmosphere in one major eruption than mankind has in our entire existence. We contribute about 4% of the contaminants. Now God has told us we are to protect our, our planet and to be good stewards of this planet. But that's not what's causing all this. The evilness of this world and God withdrawing his protection because how could climate change be responsible for all the earthquakes? We've had the, the earthquakes. This is just one. Last year, the Mississippi River was at its absolute all-time low on recorded history. The same thing goes in the, the Midwest last year. They had a drought that, that sort of magicked, or matched, yeah, matched that of the, the uh, Dust Bowl. Forest fires throughout the entire world, we've had hundreds of them. Billions of acres have been destroyed. Hundreds and thousands of homes have been destroyed. Alaska last year had 14 uh, major um, temperature records, higher records. And yet they had 11 feet of snow, which is a record. Flooding. Last year, major floods were in the United Kingdom, Russia, Sweden, Hungary, India, Japan, Philippines, Liberia, China, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Austria, Italy, Mexico, Kenya, Spain, Thailand, Ireland, Haiti, and the United States. Anybody remember the uh, tsunami of 2004 and then the recent one in Japan? In uh, 1903, Ellen White wrote, the San Francisco and Oakland are becoming as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the Lord will visit them not far hence. They will suffer under his judgment. In 1906, the massive earthquake occurred. She had another prediction, but was not given a time frame. Let me read from the Review and Herald in uh, July of 1906. I have no light in particular in regard to what is coming on New York. Only that I know that one day the great buildings there will be thrown down by the turning and overturning of God's power. Death will come in all places. She also followed that up in uh, Testimonies 9 of 1909 as she wrote, on one occasion when in New York City, I was in the night vision called upon to behold buildings rising story after story toward the heavens. The buildings were warned to be fireproof, and they were erected to glorify their owners and builders. 
the scene nest passed before me of an alarm of fire. Men looked at the lofty, supposedly fireproof buildings and said they are perfectly safe. But these buildings were consumed as if of pitch. The fire engines could not stay the destruction. The firemen were unable to operate the engines. What does that sound like? 9-11? I said the prophecies are not fantasies. Rather than contemning deviant lifestyles, now we that believe in the Bible and its truth are called homophobes and bigots. Isaiah 5, 20 and 21, rather than, this is one that addresses that. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. That's what's happening to us right now. The earth is just getting more and more evil, and that's considered acceptable. When I returned to the church and, and was rebaptized in 2005, and by the way, one of the joys of my life is that when I was rebaptized, my wife was in the pool being baptized, and she was never an Adventist. But she was part of what led me back. And I will tell you this, when I get up to heaven, my mother and father and my sister are going to be shocked. And I'm going to love to see the look on their face. When I returned to the church in 2005, there was no way in this world that the banking system or the government could keep us from buying and selling. But because of the banking crisis of a few years ago and the way things have been realigned, it can now be done almost overnight. In December 31 of 2011, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012 became law. This act allows the Armed Services of the United States to detain even U.S. citizens without due process if they are suspected of aiding Al-Qaeda or the Taliban or, take this into mind, anyone who commits a belligerent act against the United States or its coalition partners. Now, who's to determine that? Just think of that. Also think of the, the fact that now if you are deemed to be belligerent, they can send a drone. And they've done it to those that have, in fact, become enemies of the state. Matthew 24, 14, you all know. But we, have, as Adventists, have gotten the mistaken impression that we're the only ones sending this message to the world. We're not. The gospel is going to the world. The final message is our responsibility. But when you stop and think about it, the day is fast coming when the Sunday laws will be passed. At that point, you can't tell me that when the first death penalty is put down because of that law, 
that that information is not going to go worldwide in a flash with the internet, cable TV, the satellites, it will become instant news. That's when people will be woken out of their stupidity and they will start looking and seeing what we've been preaching. Ellen White tells us in, in uh, Con Great Controversy, page 578 and 79, that our politicians, because of their low regard for the law and for the Constitution, will bend to the pressure of the, the citizens and enact the, enact the Sunday laws. Right now, their popularity is less than 5%. All it would take is some major disruption, and it could happen. How many of you here have the feeling of the prodigal son's brother? It's his problem. He left. Let me give you a little story. Let's say that you went camping, and uh, you were told that you don't want to wander far because you can get lost very easily. Everybody else is playing games and you didn't feel like that. You figured you'd go for a little walk. Not going far so you didn't worry about it and you got lost. Should the rest of the people there say, well, that, that's our problem. They decided to go and, and take that walk or should they get together a search party? When you go to uh, find these people, several things that you want to remember. Never go out and say, where you been? Go out and say, hello, it's nice to see you, we've missed you. Also, people don't stop and think about it. When is the one time you do not want to go uninvited to see a former Adventist to bring them back? Sabbath afternoon. Because if you catch them in doing something that they shouldn't be doing, you've driven another wedge. You've made them feel uncomfortable. And that's not good. John 3.16. You all know by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But 17 is just as important. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We don't want to condemn these people that have drifted away. It's time to bring them home. Ellen White said that final events will happen in rapid succession. I believe it's already started. We cannot sit back and wait. We've got to do this job now. When I came back from the wayward ways and so forth, I looked around me to try and find someone that was doing this work. It doesn't exist except for a person here and a person there and a person over there. 
luckily enough, in Chesapeake Conference, we were able to stir people up enough, and we were also very, very blessed. Gary Gibbs left uh, Hope Television and came to our conference as the evangelism and recovery pastor. We put together a little program, or Gary put it mostly together, but I was the thorn in his backside that, that spurred it on. It was called Connect to Reconnect. What he did on that was he made a special Sabbath in April where participating churches in our conference got together and planned one day where we would go and invite all of those people back to fill the church Sabbath. Some of the churches got rather innovative and if any of you come, have anything that you think will help or any idea that will help, this is a brand new thing that we're doing here because it hasn't been done before. We need your ideas. We need your help. But what one church did that I thought was very innovative, they had three new parents. They had their Sabbath recovery ministry on the day that they had the baby dedication when all the people that had drifted away were invited to come to the baby dedication. They had about 40 people in that church. They ended up with another 40 of the families were there that day. We had another one where they had baptisms and they invited the people to come in for the baptisms. And again, a lot of the, the relatives were ones that had drifted away. At our church, uh, we did this Everybody went out and saw the people at least once. We send them a, a letter of invitation and so forth. And we got about 18 people back uh, just for the day. Out of those, we have one that has, has been rebaptized. And we've had others that have come back. We've had three of them. Well, if every church had even that small amount nationwide, it's a start. And when their friends and relatives see them come back, it'll start. We've got to start somewhere. There are several um, Fortis Dedimore wrote a book some time back. It's called Seeking the Lost Sheep. That is a good resource. Gary Gibbs says, just go on the website of the Chesapeake Conference under Connect to Reconnect. This is God's work. And he wants anybody to take anything that's available. And he also wants to send, please send suggestions. We're um, just starting this, this long process. We need your help. One story went that the lady went out and, and was talking, saying, you know, we have a project in our church to recover. These people are not a project. They are, in fact, a, a work of love. Go out in the, the loving spirit. Don't condemn. When they come back to the church, they're going to have bad habits. I did. 
love them, encourage them, pray with them, pray for them. The Holy Spirit will help them overcome their bad habits. When you go out to, to visit these people, Gary Gibbs also put together a, um, how, a, I'll come to that in a minute. This little chart tells you that if each one of us went out and found one person and brought them back to the church and taught them to go out and get one person and bring them back to the church. If you see the figures here, a, a gifted evangelist converting a thousand a day compared to the other thing that I said, look at the totals at the bottom. It's staggering. We need to equip our people to go out and bring one person back and teach that person to bring one person back, to bring one person back, and so forth. Exponentially, it would grow, and we could get the job done. There's a survey that uh, Gary Gibbs put together. I have extra copies of it if you'd like to take them along with you. This survey, you go out to the, the person and say, can I take 10 minutes of your, your uh, time? Our church has been very negligent in uh, visiting the people that have been away. And we need a survey here to let us know why you left and that will help us to become a better church. How did you become an Adventist? How and when were you baptized? Who uh, encountered you, encouraged you and who baptized you? And what did you feel about your baptism? That's number one. How long did you attend church regularly? Who were your friends when you were at church? How long has it been since you attended church regularly? What do you consider your chief reason for no longer attending church? Did you have a personal conflict with any member? With a pastor? With a principal? With a teacher? What would, you, what would it take to have you come back to church? May I ask you a personal question? If you were die, to die today, and if Jesus were to return, would you have the assurance of eternal life? May I share with you how you can have that, this assurance? We have set a simple Bible study lesson that I think you would enjoy. May I share them with you? This is just one idea that Gary Gibbs came up with that will help to open the door. But you can also use the answers from this as a way of, of opening the door to more conversation, to more um, uh, further, deeper uh, commitment from them. We let them know that the good Lord said that the wheat and the tear would grow up together and that uh, Satan's in the church also. So we let them know that, that the good will remain. The evil will be, in fact, discarded. Then I also tell them, you know, if you let a hypocrite stand between you and God, he's closer than you are. It's time to put the hypocrite out of your mind, come around them, come back to God, 
You're not coming back to a church. You're coming back to God. Because if you don't believe that evil's in the church, you look around you, how many people are sitting there doing phone texting instead of listening to the sermon? Uh, you see him getting up and, and leaving the church. Now, doctors, we understand that. But others getting up and leaving the church to take phone calls. Satan's in the church too. And you let them know that it had was, if in fact they were offended by one of the church members, that was not of God, that was of Satan. And that if in fact they are away from the church because of it, Satan won. So it's time to ignore those things and concentrate on God and coming back and getting ready for the end of time. Because when my wife uh, was converted, I warned her, forget about any snide remarks you see and hear. Because at that time she still wore earrings and rings and so forth. Well, one little lady in the church said, oh, look at those earrings. The next week she came to church with her hair up with one of these clips on the back of it that had more glitter to it than the little diamond studs that my wife had. And I said, that's what I'm talking about. We've got to let them know that it's Jesus, not your other church members that you have to concentrate on, and that we've all failed. If in fact the church were without sin, we wouldn't need a church. And that we've all come very, very short. So we're not here to judge. We're here to bring you back to God. Because it's He that is important. Any other questions? Actually, most of the time when we uh, come across anything, it's not because they don't believe the, uh, the word. What it is is somebody has hurt them. Those that use that kind of excuse, they're trying to find an excuse. Okay? My excuse was I was invited not to come back to Shenandoah Valley Academy. And things have changed in our church. Some of it's good. We had that, that argument over legalism while I was gone. When we came back to the church, when I came back to the church, I was castigated for exploring a cave on Sabbath afternoon. That's God's nature. Now it is done all the time. But we've let legalism or that argument over legalism to dominate to where we've got a lot of things in the church now that we shouldn't have. The, the, the balance is tilted in the other direction. So when I came back to the church, it was not the church that I left. But it will be again. And that's not too far off. Any other suggestions? Yes. You know, the Lord, I mean, the Satan knows exactly what will trigger a response in you. And that's why he puts the person that's going to say the wrong thing in front of you. And we know that. If you look at what uh, Ellen White said, less than 20% of the people in her day that were going to the church and their names were on the books would end up in, in the kingdom. Not one in 20. 
I think it's even more than that now. We have to rededicate ourselves to not only ourselves to be ready, but also to go and, and be kind and gentle and so forth to those. You know, I sat down when I first came back to the church and I wrote down a list and it only took about 45 minutes. I came up with 40 people in my own family and, and friends in, in high school and so forth that had drifted away. There are over a million in the United States. In where I live in, in Silver Spring, Maryland, in that Baltimore, Washington area, it's estimated between 100 and 150,000. If we went back and got back all of those people, our churches would be overflowing. Because how many are in the United States right now that are active? About a million. That would double just getting back those that have drifted away. Yes. By the way, one other point. You can't go and get your own relatives back. You're nagging. So what you do is you find a good friend and you go nag theirs and let them nag yours. Okay? That way you don't destroy family relationships and so forth, but you get the job done. There's an um, advertisement uh, logo that I don't like unless it comes to this. It's called, just do it. In other words, we don't know what all is gonna work. But we have to get out there and start trying. And when we do, we spread to other people what is working. But you're right. Interpersonal relationships. I'll tell you a little story though. My wife and I, we had been to a lot of the churches locally and they were PC. We have an RV, and, and that's where we went away for the weekends, about uh, an hour and 20 minutes from where we live. And so we decided we'd take our clothes with us, and we would go to the church up there. We went into that church, and they made us feel so welcome that first day that we've never changed our membership, and we drive an hour and 20 minutes to church every Sabbath because they made us feel not that we were fellow church members, that we were a part of that family. And that's what we need to do is love these people back into the church. Let them know that whatever hurt them in the long run is not. Yes, we can empathize. We know that it hurts you badly. But you can't let that stand between you and God. You've got to come back. Because God needs you here. He needs you to come back and help finish the work. When they do come back, put them to work in this type of ministry. Because that's, they've been there. They know. And you can't just let them, bring them back and forget them. <laughs> Another aside. I came back to the church. I own a um, little uh, home inspection company and radon lab. And after a couple years, the head deacon of the church retired from the Review and Herald, and he moved out to uh, Oregon or Washington. And they asked me to, to take over the position, which I did. Well, two years later, the church uh, recorder comes to the pastor and says, do you realize that our head deacon is not a member of this church? They had never removed my name from the church that I 
left 42 years earlier. So when I was rebaptized, my name was still over here, so they had to transfer me in to the church where I was rebaptized. Yes? Pray. Holy Spirit will tell you the timing. I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, one of my family members being away. And I said, you know, uh, I would be considered nagging. He said, well, what you want to do is ask him this. If in fact I came by your house and I saw your house was burning down and you were inside asleep, would I be nagging to knock on your door and try to get you out? Let them know that, you know, I'm trying to give you that opportunity to get out before it's too late. Because you don't know. I've got on the back of my card here, it says, if this was your last day on earth, would your next moment be a resurrection to everlasting life or everlasting death? Got to ask them that question. But the biggest thing that I can say is we need to go to them in love. You know, we don't have to... God did not teach tolerance. He taught forgiveness. When the, the lady was brought before him who was caught in adultery, he did not say, your sins are forgiven, go and enjoy. He said, your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. The same thing with the, the uh, man that was by the pool for 38 years. When he saw him later in, in the uh, synagogue, he said, go sin no more lest you, your things are greater in the future. So when the, the church is, is getting so tolerant now, we can't tolerate sin, but we can love and we can forgive. So we have to go with, with the heart. If you have the, the attitude of the, the prodigal son's brother, this ain't for you. But if you have that attitude of love where you want to bring back your friends and relatives, then start doing something. Because when I came back, I couldn't find a soul doing it except a little person out in Oregon uh, Mike Jones, and then you've got a, a couple here and there all over the, the United States, but they're individual people. This is something that the, the entire church needs, needs to get behind and have little core groups out of each church that are dedicated to it, that ask for other people to volunteer to come with them, send them two at a time. You know, this is one of those things also that our elderly in the church can't drive. They've got a vast knowledge. Our kids in the church, they want something to do. Pair the two together. Now, when the children see or the young adults see people being affected and coming back to the church and being rebaptized, they're going to be hard-pressed to leave. And the elderly will feel like they're useful. So, there's a lot of different ideas that we need to put together. But we need to do something because time is really, well, if you look at it, you don't know today whether you're going to be here tomorrow. So you can't get ready. You have to be ready.
I think it's incumbent on uh, your pastor. Ellen White had 20 different articles on recovery and the prodigal son's attitude. Print those off and give them to the pastor. Have him dwell on it to let him know that, you know, this is something that, that is the Lord's work. And we've got to open our hearts to these people. And anybody that's not opening their heart, at least stay out of the way. Because I've been to churches like that where they don't even want to hear from me. Because I have a message that tells them, that, you know, they say, we're doing it our way. That's fine. Except that our way is not working. Because their churches are shrinking. So, I don't know what all to tell you, except that, you know, we've got to uh, work with the, the pastors and, and try and encourage them. But get the core group that is really dedicated to go and get these people and love them back into the church. Well, Ellen White said there would be a returning. But I truly believe that we have to go and give an invitation. And that's what we haven't done for years. I have a, a tag on my car that says, the seventh day is God's Sabbath. Now you tell me that I don't have to watch what I'm doing out on the road, okay? We need to act in such a way that we are a good example to those that we're trying to bring back, otherwise it won't work. So make sure that your life's together before you go and, and try and make somebody else get theirs together or help them. That was part of the next. You make the, uh, a list of the people that are in your church that are away. You pray for them daily. And you take one and pray for them. When you go to see them, you pray before you go. You ask to pray with them before you leave them. You pray again as you leave. It's amazing what the good Lord can do. So also what you need to do is make sure that you don't just leave it here. That you take it back to your pastor. You take it back to your conference, to your union, to the North American division that you feel that this is something that needs to be done because there's an awful lot of people like me out there that need to come home. And I would hope and pray that it wouldn't take the death of someone to do it. But keep, keep, keep praying and go and do the work. Pray for me. Pray for this small ministry. And I'll pray for all of your friends and relatives that, that are away from the church. It's about that time. So, will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we're praying that this little match will turn into a forest fire that will consume our church with the need to do this work. In Jesus' name, amen.
This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.